Welcome to the Healthy University Podcast, where we'll be discussing issues of how to be healthier in your life, how to find the solutions to make you a healthier being and live a happier and healthier life. This podcast is brought to you by Bullying Recovery at bullyingrecovery.org. And now your host, Alan Eisenberg. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Healthy You. And this week, I'm happy to have Dr. Robert Wright Jr. and Christine Wright from Stress-Free Now. Uh, They do a lot of work about stress, and we all know how stressful life is today. So uh, I know just yesterday I was in um, an amazingly stressful moment, and it it just consumed me all day today, that uh, the stress I was having. So... Anyway, I want to welcome you both to the show and want to learn more about Stress-Free Now and share that with our audience. Uh, you know, they don't know that, that we've known each other a little while, but, uh, you know, as I've gotten to know you, I know how important your work is. So thanks for, thanks for agreeing to join me on uh, the Healthy You podcast today. Well, Alan, thank you for inviting us onto your show and for your very warm introduction. We really appreciate that, and, and we look to be helpful to your audience. Hi, Alan. Thank you so much for uh, inviting us to chat with you today. We really look forward to our conversation. So I think the really important thing is you started a, uh, or, uh, a company called Stress-Free Now. When, when did you do that and what was your driving factors to make that happen? We started, you know, it's difficult to, to say when we started because Bob and I throughout our lives, we've noticed we've had tension, we've had... Uh, you know, stress, as you say, problems, and we've always wanted to find a solution to it. And the company seemed an outgrowth of it, and it was actually an outgrowth of our relationship. Um, When we met, we were both doing uh, different types of work in helping people, healing people. I was just getting back into teaching, and Bob was doing his um, uh, master's work and doctoral work, and he was studying stress, and I had been interested in doing a web business and transitioning from uh, teaching school, which I was at the time, to coaching. So uh, Stress Free Now actually started very very early on in, in our relationship. It's, it's hard to say a start date because it's really been, in some ways, a lifelong quest. We've been in business, uh, I, I'd say, from about uh, 2000. And um, it's simply an extension of what we've experienced in our life and observed in our family and our friends and in our coworkers that there is a need for um, tools and strategies for, you know, when we're under siege, when we are tired, when we can't think straight, when we're hurt in some way, some ways. And... Um, Bob and I discovered, you know, as we learned about each other, how many techniques we've studied in ways to improve our lives and ways to help us get through the day because we don't discuss, most people in society don't discuss in their day-to-day how can we feel better, what can we do to, to, be, to be strong, to be clear in our mind, and just to have a joyful life. Yeah, and I think that's so um, important. Yes, Bob. Who have 
time ago in, in terms of how many people start that that what I like to describe to, in order to answer that question is 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 I ask people, do you remember the hair club uh, president uh, TV commercial where the guy says, he says, the reason I know it works is because I'm also a member. And so that is actually the case for both of us, that, that all of the, the, the uh, things that we do to help clients and, and look to be helpful to others in terms of giving them um, solutions to issues in their lives that will benefit them, we, we apply them to ourselves. So whether it has to do with sleep, sleep deprivation or, or anxiety or, you know, figuring out how to lose weight, that, that is uh, what we're about for, for clients and ourselves. You know, I always laugh because I, I had this one time, you know, when I was going through my own need for therapy and, and really... I got to a point of wondering, you know, why did my therapist get into what he got into? And so I said to him, you know, we were just chatting at one of the sessions and I said, uh, so what made you decide to do, you know, therapy? What made you decide to become a therapist? And he just looked at me and he said, uh, you know why? <laughs> and it's because all of us that are doing this are, are members ourselves. And uh, I think that's, you know, that's what we believe, you know, you're not going to get into working in something unless you truly believe that it works, right? So, so a therapist is going to believe that therapy works and is probably going to have had some experience with that. And so on that note, you know, why don't you talk about like what you've discovered about stress? Because I know, you know, we hear a lot about how stress affects the body and the mind. But really that, you know, it is a killer. It's it's something that if we can't get a, a control over, it can take over our lives and actually start to damage, you know, our organs and our mind. Um, so how, how have you uh, de dealt with that in your company? Well, uh, before I, I answer that question, Alan, I, I want to distinguish something that's very, very important. What Christine and I do is, is coaching. It's not therapy. And, and, and the, the reason I mention that is that it's because there's, 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 um, there's, a, there's a, a bright line in terms of, you know, how we see things and go about things. And it's important for people to know and understand that, that you know, therapy is different than coaching. It's different than pastoral counseling. It's different than, um, than practicing medicine. And so we always um, make clear to people what we're doing is coaching. We do not get engage and we do not cross those boundaries. And so, it, you know, there are certain gray areas, but the thing is, is that we always like to stay on the side of um, um, the, the coaching side. And so one of the things that, that differentiates uh, coaching, for example, from therapy is that 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 what we do is that we seek to help people. People come to us, they have an issue. And so, so let's say the issue is um, anxiety. And so um, a therapist would, would never um, say, well, um, let's measure where your anxiety is and let's see where we can get you in, in, in two weeks or 30 days or 60 days. Whereas in the coaching um, uh, paradigm, that is exactly what we look to do. We say, "Hey, listen, you're having panic attacks, or you're 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 doing this. Here are some specific things, and 
if these things work and 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 customize it and so and 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 measure it so so that that's one of the examples that I use to, to differentiate the coaching process from therapy because you know many people are in therapy for long periods of time and you know they might need to be but people who come for coaching you know they, they have a specific issue and they they want to address um, they have immediate needs so uh, so in terms of the stress issue um, uh, what I try to tell people and explain to people is that uh, there, there, there are two types of stress Hans Bellier talked about um, uh, stress from the angle of good stress being used stress and the, the, what we think of as the negative stress as, as distress. And so if you think about it, Alan, um, and for your audience, uh, when something really good happens to you, like for example, you find out a family member is gonna get married and you know you might have tears of, uh, tears of joy or a person gets a promotion um, and is gonna have additional responsibilities or they're having a baby, that those things actually cause stress on the body, uh, and but it's actually a good thing. So, you know, in that way, you can really see that, that stress doesn't have to be negative because sometimes stress motivates us to do things that we know we should do that we might not do without that. However, um, the, our, the way our body is constructed is that uh, it's constructed for the stress to be short-term or what's called acute so it handles you have uh, something happen to you and then you have a spike in your adrenaline and your cortisol and all these other things hormones and neurotransmitters that are helpful to you and then you want to come back down but what happens with the negative stress is that you know something happens let's say you're imagining something or or let's say a real situation um, uh, you every time you go to work you have an argument with a particular person or something like that so when it, it it's repeated that's when it can become something what, what what's called uh, in the literature chronic and so chronic stress is what something you want to avoid because if it's not dealt with and dissolved it, it tends to lead to um, uh, disease states and illness and so so that, that that's pretty much it from my perspective yeah, that's that is interesting, and I, you know, I've always thought of it. You know, I always recall college, and there were always two types of people, and I was one, and then my roommate was another. Which was, you know, you'd get assigned a midterm paper, and I would go immediately, and I'd want to work on it and get it, you know, a rough draft done, and then put it away for a while, and then work on it because I didn't thrive off of the stress. I didn't want to be stressed out about it. And then my roommate, you know, would party till two in the morning and then realize the papers due at 10 the next day and get on the computer, you know, and, and type the paper out. And we'd still both get a B plus, you know, so he he thrived off of the stress and it made him motivated. And for me, it was a demotivator. And I always thought that was very interesting how, you know, some people that and you deal with that in the workplace. You know, some people want to wait to the last minute because they enjoy that high or whatever it is they're feeling when they're stressed. Um, but for me, it, I guess I'm on the negative side of stress where it doesn't motivate me and it, it makes me feel uh, hurt. What, what kind of techniques do you, do you uh, find people use to help uh, alleviate stress in their lives? What, what kind of uh, discussions have you had around that? Uh, 
challenge. There, there's so many things that um, that Bob and I do individually and as a couple, and there are many different things that we do as clients. But I just want to address uh, what you said and just use that to segue into it. You know, you described yourself and your college roommate. Every single person, and we need to take this into the equation, is different. What makes me feel good may make you feel bad. Um, what, you know, um, gets me excited may um, it make you feel dampened and lethargic. So when we know that about ourselves, what makes us work, you know, what, what energizes us, what weakens us, that's really the starting point for starting uh, a stress management um, strategy or developing your protocols. You know, sometimes you, let's say you want to get music to, to soothe you and relax you, and you love classical music. Someone else, if you play classical music, oh my gosh, they'll be climbing the wall, they'll be screaming, not elevator music, not Beethoven, not again. <laughs> you know, give, give me, you know, a heavy metal or whatever their, their choice is. So different things uh, will be relieving for different people, depending on your normal physiology. Um, and we can relieve stress in, in different ways, looking at different aspects of ourselves. Some people, you know, uh, play uh, a video game. Sometimes that can be numbing, but hey, if it's a game they enjoy, it, it, it's energizing them. Or someone may need to do something more physical. They need, may need to go, go swim a couple of laps, go run around the track, do some Tai Chi, take yoga, go to a Pilates class. So there's different different choices. And what it is, is the more you know about yourself, then you can get an idea of what is it that soothes me. And what Bob and I, you know, help our clients to do is just to ask them, when mm -hmm. you're feeling distressed, when something is weighing heavy on you, what, what is it that makes you feel good? And sometimes people can't remember that. And we help them remember, maybe when you were a child or, you know, is it talking to a friend? Is it being with someone who's kind or funny or makes you laugh? Someone who says, you know, let's go to the movie, let's do this. So have a, have a couple of, of, of protocols that you've known to work in the past and have them at the ready. Because this may seem ridiculous, but sometimes when you're in the midst of something, when your mind is latching on to something and you feel that there's no way out, you can't remember, whoa, all I need to do is this, and I'll feel better. Yeah, I, I know that for me, you know, I, I had to take a, a 180 uh, degree turn when, you know, stress got to me and anxiety and realized, you know, I, I spent a good amount of time realizing what those things were, you know, trying to discover what de-stressed me or, or what I needed and a lot of it was very mental. A lot of it was learning to think differently, think in a different pattern. You know, I think I think we we talk about glass half full, glass half empty people, and and the idea of of negative thinking versus positive uh, thinking, and and trying to change the way your mind approaches different things. So you know, early in my career, I, I remember very very vividly like. Anyone who came to me with an assignment, I would freak out you know, for probably an hour and then have to do it anyway. And so at some point, you know, my mind grew up 
And it said, well, you know, don't freak out because you're going to have to do it anyway. And you learn, you know, I kind of learned to deal with that in a different way. But what really interests me is, you know, how, how do we approach it? Like when, like you were saying, like some people don't know how to discover what their stress triggers are or how to unstress themselves. They're so wound so tight that, you know, in a society, the way we are today, stress has become this, uh, this thing that we, we've learned to live with almost. And, you know, in, in some ways, you, you have to wonder, is it ruining the quality of life that we have? So how do, how do you approach those kind of situations where people just can't de-stress or, or find that there's, you know, they're really seeking a guidance? Uh, you know, when we talk about life coaching, I think a lot about empathy and, and how to be empathic uh, to someone. So how, how do you go about approaching that? Well, Alan, just before I, I, I answer that question, I, I, I think it's really important for the audience to understand because I, I, I get the sense that in our society, as you're saying, that people don't have a strong enough sense of just how uh, uh, insidious and, and debilitating having stress burnout and being close to stress burnout or sleep deprived, et cetera, is. So, for example, I want to cite this statistic. Um, recent studies show that uh, about 70 to 75 percent of all doctor visits and emergency room visits are either directly or indirectly related to stress. Um, why, why do I uh, bring that up? Because I, you know, Right now, um, um, you know, recently there have been um, deaths of um, some famous basketball players, uh, um, and and those all those three deaths that I was just thinking of: Daryl Dawkins, um, Anthony Mason, and uh, Moses Malone, who would be familiar in the um, anyone that's familiar with sports, that those were all stress related. They all died of heart disease, and uh, you know it's very tragic, and especially Anthony Mason. He was only forty. And then on the football side, you know, when I read the stories about the concussions and um, um, the other things that happen in, in football, so so where the, the, this chronic stress and pain that builds up is not taken seriously. And so I just want to mention for the audience before I answer your question that let me just give a, a very short list of, of some of the um, conditions that, that, that are include uh, obviously anxiety, asthma, um, cardiovascular disease, um, constipation, um, eating disorders, heartburn, high blood pressure, uh, insomnia, irritable bowel syndrome, um, um, obesity, um, uh, skin problems, uh, weight gain or weight loss, uh, so, so, uh, and it can even affect the, the sex drive. So, so they're, 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 you know, the new research is showing more and more and more how, uh, how the stress, uh, as you're saying, it's, it's often ignored. So the, 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 to, to answer your question more directly and for your audience, it, it, it's basically, it's a choice, Alan, that, that, that we have to decide um, as individuals what's important to us. Okay, sometimes, uh, you know, people need a wake-up call. You know, someone dies 
uh, unfortunately. So, for example, someone is sleep-deprived and they're driving, they're working two or three jobs, or um, they were busy uh, uh, looking at their phone while they were crossing the street, distracted, and they got hit by a car, or, you know, things like that happen. So, you know, those are very unfortunate, but, you know, so sometimes the wake-up calls where something happens to a person or the, 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 it happens to someone that they know, someone in their family or someone on their job, and then the people says, oh, um, that's right, you know, uh, this stress thing or this anxiety thing or this pain, I need to do something about it. So uh, hopefully something negative doesn't have to happen to a person to get their attention, but basically that's really what we're talking about, that a person has to uh, uh, choose to say, hey, my health is important. And, and I think in the context of what's going on in our country with the, the shift in healthcare where prevention is now being, it's more profitable than pathology. So, so you know, the, the good part about that is that people can be healthier and, um, and, and it's better for, for everyone. And so it, it, it puts more control in the hands of the individual, but, you know, that, that means personal responsibility and that they have to make choices. And so um, either way you look at it, it still comes down to choice. We have to decide, you know, I need X number of hours of sleep per night. How am I going to do it? I need to uh, change my weight pattern. How am I going to do that? And so some people decide to work with a coach, and, you know, that's what Christine and I do. And when they do, we can help them with those things, but they have to uh, want to do that. And so my, my ultimate answer is the joke that, that I was told that it says, how many um, psychiatrists does it take to change a light bulb? And the answer uh, was one, but the light bulb has to want to change. And so in the context of stress, that it's, it's that it's the person that's stressed out has to want to do something about their stress or their anxiety or their chronic pain or their grief. Yeah, I want to pick up on that. We have to go to a break right now. We're a little late on the break. So um, when we come back, I'd like to talk more about the the you, the, the person, and the need that they have to have to want to change. I think it's a really good subject to, to go on. So we'll take a short break here, and we'll be right back with Robert Wright Jr. and Christine Wright to talk to us from StressFreeNow.info. Thank you very much, and we'll be right back on Healthy You. Deep in a dark hole in the recesses of his mind, Alan tried to bury all the bad memories of the bullying that happened to him. But memories can't be buried, and he would be haunted by his youth and these memories for a very long time to come. Then he must confront and come to terms with his own youth and the things that happened to him. Find out what Alan didn't want to remember. Read A Ladder in the Dark, My Journey from Bullying to Self-Acceptance. Available now at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most major book retail outlets. Hi, 
Hi, you're back on Healthy You with Alan Eisenberg, your host, and Dr. Robert Wright Jr. and Christine Wright from StressFreeNow.info. And we were talking during the break a little bit about the importance of self-discovery and self-awareness. Christine, will will you talk a little more about what you were talking about during the break? think that uh, I seem to find that a lot of people think they can find their own coping mechanisms. I know several people that use alcohol as a coping mechanism. They come home and they have a drink every night. And, you know, even in the 50s and 60s, we saw that sort of as a pattern, like dad comes home, he's stressed from work, takes off his shoes and someone gives him a, a drink, you know, and it's a, it, it's kind of jokey to look at now. But I think, you know, we didn't really realize that people are trying to self-medicate or self-help themselves. And why why is that so dangerous? Why is that something that you think, you know, when we talk about stress and people in particular, when they don't really realize that they are stressed, where, where's the danger in that? The danger in that is that you're actually exacerbating the problem. It feels like you're doing something to make it better, but you're, you're masking and you're dampening. You're not really uncovering. You're not empowering yourself. If you're taking a drink to unwind from your day, if you're, you know, eating a pint of ice cream or whatever, if you will, um, you know, medication of choice that you're taking, if if it's to a, a level of um, almost, you know, just just repetitively doing something mindlessly, you're actually adding to the problem. 
problem. You're not bringing yourself out of it. You want something to revitalize you, to energize you. I mean, one of the protocols that, that Bob and I use is, is sound. That, you know, have a soothing sound. Go into movement. When you come home, just don't go for the bottle. Go, go to the gym. You'll feel better if you were sitting all day. You'll get that workout. You'll, you'll move your body. Um, really, go for a walk with a friend. Don't just go to have that, you know, end of the day drink. And I think that's important. Like what, what we put in our bodies and how we treat our bodies affects our minds. And, and you know, for me, I know the the discovery of, of the gym, which was something that I hated, you know, hated working out. Uh, but the discovery of the endorphin high that comes with working out and how it relaxes the mind and the discovery of how eating better actually made me feel better. And I can actually say I've been so much more healthier uh, physically, you know, even getting sick uh, is more rare now that I'm eating better. So this idea that, you know, we, we have the power, it's in front of us, but not understanding the right ways to do things in terms of finding ways to cope with stress, with everyday life uh, as it is today, I think is such an important topic. Um, I know we only have a few. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Christine. Well, uh, you know, part of it too, Alan, is these uh, images and solutions aren't aren't put in front of us so much as as um, these these um, negative, if if you will, choices. I mean, we don't see um, going out to dance or going out to a museum or you know spending time on the beach or going for a hike. That's really not presented to us as a solution, whereas putting yourself in a, in a situation where you'd be doing harm, that's really what we see in front of us. You know, grab something to eat, grab something to drink, engage in some behavior that's not healthy. And, and as that's you, what we see. And as you say, everybody is, is different. So it's really a, a journey of self-discovery, I think, that people have to figure out what it is. You know, is it the, like you said, is it the classical or the hard rock? Either one is no worse than the other, I think if I'm hearing you right, it's to find that benefit, find that thing that, that does help you. Um, I, mean, I want to mention something that, that, that's really, I think, critical for a lot of people because there, there, there are quite a few recent studies which indicate that, that uh, a high percentage of uh, Americans are wrestling with uh, obesity. And, and so one of the easy ways to... to um, drop weight is is to um, improve the quality and the and the quantity of your sleep. So there have been a slew of recent studies which show that that uh, when you get five or more hours of sleep, that helps to uh, reset your metabolism and 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 a, a whole series of beneficial things that happen during the sleep process, especially when you get to uh, stage five sleep. So uh, one of the things, is, 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 is the practical things that people can do that, that, that uh, is to get off the computer um, earlier because the blue light from the computer screen, especially for men, delays the onset of sleep. So I won't go into the, the biochemistry of that, but it's important to know that, that, that 
that when you're on the computer late at night, you're going to have a delayed capacity to fall asleep uh, just because of the, the light frequency from the computer. The second thing is that, to my uh, utter surprise, that there are many, many people that uh, fall asleep and go to sleep with the television on in their bedroom. And so that is uh, an ultimate no-no in terms of sleep quality. So again, I won't go into the details of the of, of what's happening, but if you think about it, you know you've got noise going on, et cetera. And so, uh, and one other thing, many people sleep with their phone or device uh, next to their bed. So then now you have another screen. Uh, so you've got like maybe a digital clock. You've got your phone that's lit up, and then you got the TV going. So why do I mention that? In terms of uh, stress and weight, all the research is showing that that you can get a better night's sleep, you can reduce your uh, your stress, and you can lose weight. All three of those simultaneously, just by turning off the TV in your room, removing the phone from your room, and if there's any digital signals like a, a digital clock or, or, or fluorescent clock, you know, covering that. So, and that's without any exercise. So I don't know about you, uh, Alan, you know, hitting the gym, you know, that's, that's, that's really good. But I'd rather just, you know, it's how easy is it to say, hey, turn off the TV in your bedroom. How easy is it to, to, to take your phone and, 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 and put it in another room where you're sleeping and then lose weight while you're sleeping? Wow, I've got a lot to do after this radio show here. <laughs> I'm in big, I'm in big trouble. I <laughs> my wife loves loves turning off the TV after I fall asleep with it on, with the headphones on, and usually my uh, laptop on my on my body. So I have to really well, make some well, changes. Alan, I just, I'm cutting you off, but I would have wanted to say I hope to to at some point do we could do a whole show with you on this issue of of the relationship of sleep to weight yeah. and obesity. And I think that would be helpful to your audience. I think, I think you're very right. And I think that that's, you know, that's one of the reasons we're seeing such a, an issue with obesity in this country where we don't see it in several other places. I do, I do want to give you an opportunity. We're sort of at the end of the show. So I want to give you an opportunity here to, to um, tell us more about your company and, and any information you want to share and how people might be able to get in touch with you. Well, our company, as you mentioned, is Stress Free Now, and our website is stressfreenow.info. Um, Bob and I coach clients individually. We do presentations. We do workshops. We pretty much design um, programs for whatever our, our clients or customers may need. Um, and we, we work very differently in how we coach. Bob really specializes in um, helping people deal with grief, with chronic pain, with anxiety. I work with many of my clients, helping them to increase their um, awareness of where they are and where they want to go. I help people discover. I always, um, one of my phrases I like to do, do more of what works. And sometimes people need to discover that. But, so we both help people to discover and to know what it is that's good in their life, what is it that works, and um, just encouraging them to recognize that and to do more and more of that. One of the things, too, that we mentioned here is we, we help people to realize their, their constant day-to-day -day thinking, what their thoughts are, what their words are, and if are you using 
your words and your language to move you forward. You know, are you saying things like, I'm always late, um, you know, I always mess up. So when people use those, those distorted absolute words, always, never, we help them realize that we say, always, really, every time? Mm-hmm. You know, how can we change that? So we're really about educating people, um, moving people to health, and we have so many tools with sound experiential exercises. I have a pretty extensive background in different movement modalities from my dance training because um, there's so many ways that by keeping our body in health, we really improve our emotional and our um, intellectual well-being and spiritual well-being. So all those things are interrelated. And Bob and I, just in our own life and dealing with our own stress, have just come across so many things that we're excited about, and we just we just bring a um, you know a, a banquet hall full of choices of what individuals can do, and we really recognize that that every one of us is different. And Bob and I are case in point because we are so different, and we learn how to flourish with our differences as well as our similarities, and that's what we bring to our clients. That where you are. That's where we start, and we bring you to where you want to go. And we help you remember what that is, and we point you to that. And I'll just put a coda on that, which just to say our motto is feel better now. If, if, if people in your audience want to learn how to feel better, uh, to improve the quality and, the, and, and, and their longevity, quality of their life and the longevity, you know, that's what we can help them with and, and, and show them how to, to, to modify the way they are paying attention and begin to pay attention to how they're paying attention so they can feel better now and live long enough to play with their grandkids. That's great. That's a great way to end the conversation this time, but I'm sure we're going to have another conversation on the subject. I really like the idea of, uh, I think what you were bringing up, Christine, I call twisted thinking styles. There are so many, so many twisted thinking styles that we live by, and uh, that's a that's a term coined by Dr. David Burns. And, and there's there's great value in learning, you know, what those are and trying to learn to cope with them. But more so, I, I just appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to be on the show today, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Again, this is Alan Eisenberg on Healthy You, and we look forward to talking to you next time. Thank you. You have been listening to Healthy University. This podcast is brought to you by Bullying Recovery, LLC. You can visit their website at bullyingrecovery.org or their Facebook page at Bullying Recovery or Twitter feed at BullyingLTE. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Healthy University.